0: hello and welcome back to the mls bench podcast uh, this is matt we do not have joey today but i am joined by andres to go ahead and close out our our preview of the season for the west andres how are you doing man
1: yeah i'm good man uh good to back-to-back days here uh, finish out the rest of the teams, and, and now we're, we're getting real close, two days before opening day, and uh, yeah, it's getting exciting, getting ready yeah. to get go again.
0: For the long uh, MLS offseason, it's definitely like, I'm counting down the seconds now, and it's just getting, it's becoming very, very real, but cannot wait to go ahead and get things kicked off. Today, we are going to go ahead and kick off and start talking with about RSL, Real Salt Lake, and some of the moves that they've made this offseason are pretty exciting. I think uh, the young uh, U-22 signing out of Millionarios is uh, going to be very, very helpful for our, them off the wing. Uh, let me pull up my notes on them. They're a team that last year was really defined more by their manager than anything, and just really that, that ex-dog mentality, constantly fighting for points, and they were just able to go ahead and sneak into the playoffs based off of um, their win during the last week against Portland. What do you see about this RSL team that you think can really elevate them to the next level? Or what do you think their, their hopes are for this season?
1: So so Joey mentioned in last episode that Austin was my nemesis. Um, I think RSL is my nemesis even more so. Um, I think we spent three years waiting for them to kind of fall off uh, and and they just somehow managed a way to, to get going, keep it, you know, keep themselves in the hunt. Uh, and two years ago, make a Western Conference final uh, without a shot on goal against Seattle and, and last year take Austin to the brink uh, on the road. So it's a team that consistently overperforms, I think, everybody's expectations to the point where you have to stop thinking that they're going to fall off and just kind of accept that um, they can keep things together and keep keep it going. Um, so it's one of, those, one of those things where the sum is greater than the parts, and, and they manage to find a way to get it going.
0: Yeah, they, they just consistently find a way, which... I- I think that they are just one of the most consistent teams. And it's not never necessarily the most consistently good or consistently bad. They're just right, you know, incredibly difficult to play against. Uh, I think that the formerly Rio Tinto has just always been a bit of an a intimidating experience. But they've got some pretty significant roster changes this season that I think are going to be an interesting look. The the major positive for them is getting Demir Crylock back, and that could really really lift their their ceiling. What what do you expect from him?
1: He was fantastic what twenty twenty one, and mm-hmm. then missed all of twenty two. So I think that's that's a, almost as big a wild card for them as Reynoso is for for Minnesota, um, just because he's such a huge piece um, of what they can put forward an attack but he's also 33 and coming off a full year away from from the game so sometimes you take a year away due to injury you come back refreshed and some at, at, and sometimes at that age you take a year away you, and you don't ever really come all the way back so that is for me the biggest variable if you get a 2021 demure Crylock, um then you're talking about a borderline home team type uh, team. Uh, if you get no Demir Krylock or significantly worse Demir Crylock than you had before, um, then you're talking, you know, pretty near the bottom of the West. So I'm not sure what you get. I don't know how he's looked um, so far in training. Uh, I think if you're an RSL fan, that's the number one thing to keep an eye out for, for going into the season.
0: Absolutely. The... Other major concern or off-season change that they've gone through that I'm kind of... Hey, this is actually, I'm very, very concerned about. Uh, Aaron Herrera has been an iron man for RSL for years. The The running that he does up and down the right-hand side, he's consistently involved in the attack, and one of the better defensive fullbacks in Major League Soccer. They uh, sent him out to Montreal and... You know, Montreal has a great replacement for Alistair Johnston now, but I'm really concerned about what's going to happen along that right hand side now that Herrera is gone. They have Adrian Brody who handled himself very, very well, no, no doubt, last season. But that's going to be a major change, and I'm, I'm just that I, I was shocked when, when that move came through, and especially for only as much of a game as it was. I, I really did not expect to see that. Uh, so I'm I'm interested. Is there anything else that you really want to note with RSL? Uh
1: yeah, they, so I think that's a that's a good shout. Herrera's borderline their best player for the last couple of years. Um I think also you have to discuss here their center forward situation isn't super uh clear. Uh, Cordova um as frustrating as he he was, um at least was a a player that they could plug in there as a as a solid um, target nine he's he's gone off to Vancouver Um, and so you're left with a Rubio Rubin who was you know a little bit mercurial last year Anderson Julio more of a speedster change of pace guy and a Danny Musovsky who I I think we we like uh, and is a good MLS player but he's never been asked to carry the load as a as a full-time starter, um, in MLS. So also the nine situation is a little bit hazy for me, uh, and, and the overall depth, like you mentioned, Herrera is gone. So you're asking more of uh, an Andrew Brody and uh, Brian Oviedo, uh, maybe a Bodhi Hidalgo. Um, you're going to play with, I guess, Lofason as a sort of eight-six, Caldwell as an eight-six, um, and Ruiz as an eight. It's a little bit hazy how they're going to play with this roster as it is. Uh, but that said, you can't discount the fact that it, it, they do put it together. Um, and Saverino came back really, really as a, as a solid player. I think he's, him and Krylock and um, are a formidable duel up front. But there's still some questions here on this roster.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, I do want to make one last shout. Uh, I think we've been kind of going back and touching some of the the youth nationals t- who could really start seeing some significantly or some significant playing time. Uh, Moses Nyman coming into RSL. Diego Luna's already here. Um, there's you know some potential players there still in their teens that I'm hoping can actually get some playing time, get some run out for a Mascheroni uh but we will we will have to see with rsl it, what do you think so floor or ceiling do you do you see them in the playoffs this season
1: i think as is the case typically with rsl that is a decision day in or out type team yeah. <laughs> right right on the fringes
0: yeah, they always they're just a stressful team to to even consider cuz they just just absolutely annoying to play against so we will see if they can uh, keep that consistently or consistency again, and uh, definitely some some stuff to look forward to in Salt Lake. I think this brings us then to a, a very interesting group of teams, and it's it's you know the you have the Texas trio who were had a mixed bag last year, and then you had the Cascadia trio that all three missed the playoffs. I am fascinated. Let's let's just kind of kick it around. What, what team are you most
1: confident in out of Seattle, Portland, Vancouver? I think all three will be better um, than they were last season. But I'm uh, – and maybe it's, again, 10 years of history, right? But I think for me, I'm most confident in Seattle. I think there's a bounce back. I think CCL um, really put a, a hindrance on the first half of last season. Um, They dropped a bunch of points on games where they weren't um, necessarily fully focused on MLS regular season as they were going through that CCL run. And then they got a bunch of injuries coming out of CCL, specifically with Jao Paulo, uh, but a couple others that that really hurt them. They never really quite found the groove last year. And I think without that CCL run, um, getting Jao Paulo back this year, um I'm pretty confident that we'll see a return to what we saw for more than a decade out of Seattle.
0: Um yeah, I I feel like Seattle is the the most obvious like pick out of this group. Um but I was reading through uh Joe Lowry had a a great piece on backfield um which is the haters guide to MLS. Uh and it's it's kind of the old uh Andrew Wiebe article too of why your team won't win. Um in Joe's argument was that the Sounders are not special anymore, and I'm I'm interested to hear what your reaction is to that, because though there is so much good throughout this team, it is pretty old, and there's not been a ton of change. I know uh, Schmetzer came out earlier in the, po- or in the uh, preseason saying that teams had started to kind of figure Seattle out, and so he was trying to start really getting a little bit more creative with the tactics. Do you think that, number one, that's that's something that was necessary in this offseason? And then number two, do you have any ideas of, of what that might look like? What, what can Seattle do to refresh their approach?
1: So last year, we, we talked a lot about Seattle tactics and how they were differing between from week to week through a couple of different formations. And I think that was mostly... Um, due to injury, right? So we had they had a ton of issues in defensive midfield specifically um, and also some of the winger stuff. So they had to play around with some of the tactics. I would be surprised if there was as much variance as long as they're re- relatively healthy this year. Um, Metzler was pretty consistent for a really long time playing that kind of 4-2-3-1. And I'd expect something similar this year. Again, I I'd like to know what what was the the basis of the article or what was the argument in terms of them not being as uh special? Is it purely an age thing?
0: Uh so I'll I'll, I'll read the blurb and highly recommend back to to listeners. Um year where Sounders in their thirteen year playoff streak, the stars are getting old, which I think is fair to say with Lodero, uh uh, Ruiz Diaz has obviously had significant injury concerns. I believe he's starting off the season injured. Um, and that, yeah, teams have figured them out. I, I think that it's, it's an interesting idea of what this team has been. But can, can teams really have figured this team out? Like it's, It all, I think, comes down to how good
1: is Nico Lodero still. Like, yeah, that's that's my big question. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think I'm I'm not sure. I buy the teams have figured them out. Uh, part, although I I do more by the stars who are getting older. Right, so mm. Lodero is 33. Ru- Ruiz is 32. Um, even Jordan Morris is not that he's you know that old, but he seems to have lost a little bit of the step after the second injury. Um, you know so i i do buy some of that in, in especially with those two right those two are the are the are the key there if lodero is anywhere near what lodero has been and you get i don't know 2000 minutes out of Rui diaz this should be a top 3 team Gotcha. so that's that's kind of where i'm at and i think you were kind of heading in that direction uh in terms of i don't i don't think teams have figured them out as much as if they're if they're as good as they have been, then it doesn't really matter uh, if the teams have have them quote unquote figured out they're gonna they're going produce anyway that's fair
0: i'm I'm not quite that as high i still especially with the the playoff field being as big as it is that we kind of talked about yesterday. I'm still pretty confident that the Seattle team gets through, but i I'm just this is definitely the first time that I'm going into a season saying, okay, I need to see it proven before I'm willing to, to make any grandstands on, on, uh, on Seattle. So let's, let's uh, talk about the southern side of the, the rivalry then. How are you feeling about the Timbers? They have made one really, really exciting move to, to my mind, and then the rest of their offseason has been largely defined by... Uh, a lot of discontent with the team coming from the fan base. And that's, it's unfortunate it's coming from the situation surrounding Portland Thorns especially and then the ownership group. Uh, there's a lot of questions in, in Portland, but let's, let's kind of start on the field and we'll go from there.
1: Uh, yeah, how am I feeling? Meh. Uh, I mean, not terrible. I, th- I think from what we hear Avengers got the goods. He should be a really good player in this league. Um and they they've needed that uh considering here here we are talking about age with Sebastian Blanco um being not not totally healthy very often. Uh mind-blowing decision at the end of the year that Eric Williamson wasn't wasn't on the didn't play on decision day. Yeah. Um obviously there was discontent there outside of things that were happening on the field. Uh you know, right now their striker situation is not super clear. Uh center back situation also not super clear. Uh Boto Loma's out. Uh so they're I guess relying on a Mabiala Zuparic and McGraw rotation. So I think there's still but none question of those marks. guys have
0: stayed go ahead. None of those guys have stayed healthy though. And that's, like, this is a thin, thin, thin back line.
1: Yep, and, and McGraw's never been a full-time starter. He's the youngest of the, of the bunch that you would expect him to be the healthiest. Um, yeah, there, I think the roster still needs some work. Uh, I think the fan base has, has made that clear that they're, they're of that opinion as well. Um, and this is, despite Evander, probably the least strong I felt about Portland coming into the season for, for quite a while. Um, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be a decent team. They they always have been, uh, but I think there's more question marks than there has been for for a while now. Yeah, and
0: in looking back at last season, one of the the few things that they <laughs> that really kept them in the the race for the playoffs was the play of Ivicic in goal, and I think. He's going to have to have another really, really big year. I'd have to pull up his goals added, say, but I think that he was in the top two or three uh, goalkeepers as far as um, goals added based on the uh, American soccer analysis metric. That really, really concerns me because I just do not trust the consistency year over year from that. but I am I am really excited to see what Evander can do. This was the, I think, assist leader coming from the Europa League. Uh, there's some really exciting stuff coming from there. But other than that, it's just a lot of question marks. And, and I think you're exactly right. Like, who's going to put the ball in the back of the net? Um, I'm hoping to see big steps forward from Santi Moreno. Uh, but this one, I'm just, I'm, I'm really concerned about. I think that we could see another kind of questionable year. Until we start to see some pretty significant reinforcements,
1: yeah, I think I think you'll see probably some more moves at some point made by them. Um, I think initially you're going to rely on goals from from Yimichara, uh, from Santi Moreno, mm-hmm. uh, and and see if Evander can be that kind of heliocentric type number ten that can that can create chances, but also from what I understand, he he's also sort of an eight. He's not really like a full blown ten. Um, but we, we have to see how that plays in this league. So, uh, he might blow, blow us away and be, be incredible and, and the Portland and the Timbers will be fine. But right now there's more question marks than I'm used to. Yeah. Let's go ahead and let's head up to Canada. What do you, what's your read on Vancouver right now? Um, so I like, I, I like a lot of what they have. I'm not super sold on the Cavallini out, Cordova in move being um, what solidifies their number nine position. I think you, if you're Vancouver, you have to hope that Brian White finds some of the form from a couple of years ago. Uh, the thing with Vancouver is, I think if you look at their first, um, you know, their their best eleven, that's a team that. I think is a probable solid playoff team, you know, fifth, sixth type team. Um, And they're all in place, right? So Ryan Gold's in place. Julian Gressel's in place. uh, Pedro Vite's in place. um, They brought in Andres Kubas and and, uh, Schuff in last year. Now they're, you know, in place and settled. So it's a team that should start much stronger than last year. Uh, But the depth is pretty thin. Uh, and the number nine is a question mark again. So that's kind of where I'm at on them. I, I, I like them in general. I'd like to see them make a few more moves, um, but I'm pretty high on them in, in, in general. Where are you at?
0: I, I really like this team. I, and I think that maybe I am just, uh, uh, Vanny Sartini, apologist or something, but I really, really think that, especially their midfield, really excites me i think that we started to see that that partnership between shove and kubas really really flourish um the i you know the glimpse behind the screen i always kind of have the matt doyle uh, depth chart pulled up uh whenever we're we're talking about teams like this and they are kind of in env- or uh doyle's kind of envisioning a, a christmas tree you know four three two one that midfield five group of Vite, Gald, Schopf, Kubas, Gressel, I think that that can cook. And I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I think that the thing that... yeah, You're 100% right that I'm just... I'm My only concern is who's going to actually be putting the ball in the back of the net because we saw a pretty significant uh, regression from Brian White last year. Can he kind of push back forward and, and be that New Jersey Mario Gomez Potentially, um, but that's certainly a concern. They did solve, I think, their biggest issue from last season, though, in bringing in Takaoka from, who's, I believe, the best goalkeeper in the J-League last season. That's a significant signing, and I think is really going to go ahead and help bolster that back line, uh, which, with some of the defensive... Uh, concerns that I have about this team, specifically from their fullbacks, I think he'll probably have a lot to do. But I think there's, there's a lot... They solved a lot of the issues that I think they had last season. And I Cavallini was great, but I think he was also not a very consistent goal scorer. So I'm thinking Cordova is a at very least a lateral move, if not maybe a little bit better.
1: And, and I think this is one of those teams that is interesting all the way Pacific Northwest... Um, But I think it's one of those teams that I'm most looking forward to seeing how it plays out for them during the year, just because they made so much of their moves last year um, that now that they're all in and settled. um, And and I think that that five that you mentioned, um, if that five can stay healthy, this team has some real possibilities if they have some injury issues. I, I guess you much. could say that. You could say that about pretty much every team, but <laughs> but there's not a whole lot behind them. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm super interested in Vancouver this year. Yeah, I've got so some if, if you
0: if you do you okay that's uh, that's I think that I do too. Uh, oh man, but at, at who at whose cost?
1: I mean, uh, you can go to nine this
0: year. Oh yeah. So then, yeah, really the question that I, with that expanded playoff field, I'm saying, all right, who doesn't get in? And there are a lot of teams last season that I'm expecting some pretty major progress from. I'm, you know, one team in specific that I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. But I, I really think that this Vancouver team is pretty exciting. I, I, I like them. I, I like this team a lot. Uh, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit with you. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Vancouver make the playoffs. Uh, as far as viewing experience, out of these three uh, Cascadia teams, who are you actually most excited to just watch?
1: I, I think it's Vancouver. I, I think Vancouver. That, that's the team that intrigues me the most. Yeah, Seattle is pretty much do they get back to where they were or not. Uh, Portland is, I think, much of the same. Outside of Evander, there's not a whole lot there that super intrigues me um I think Vancouver, seeing how that that group puts it together, is probably the one I'm most interested in. Interesting, yeah. I'm again right there with you, and that
0: that is absolutely the the Sartini apologist in me. So that's he's that's also from, fun, for sure.
1: Just him, it's like uh, his personalities and energy is a ton of fun. It
0: we'll we'll kind of touch base on this a little bit later with some of the Apple stuff coming out, uh but. In a league that has a tendency to lack for personalities, it's been really, really refreshing to get somebody like him who's willing to just kind of go out there, occasionally put his foot in his mouth. You know, there's just, I, I, I'm I a big fan personally, so fun, fun stuff for Vancouver. It's going to be a really interesting Cascadia Cup season between these three teams because I think that there's not nearly as much dividing them as there used to be, so... Let's go ahead and take a, a trip to the mountains, though. Let's, let's talk about Colorado. Uh, and they've made some very interesting moves. Uh, so, Colorado obviously last season went through a major regression, coming from first in 2021 to, gosh, 10th uh, in 2022. They obviously had some pretty significant questions. Uh, part of that was losing Mark Anthony Kay at midseason, part of it was just. A lot of injuries. I know Jack Price missed a lot of time. Um, but there's just I think they've been starting to make some moves for for future seasons. I don't necessarily see how everything fits together perfectly right now. I think the the headline of all of that is got to be Kevin Cabral coming in from l a Galaxy. Um, I don't think that that's the most impactful th- signing by any means, but I'm interested to see to hear, do you think that Cabral can?
1: Make good on on that that talent that he has. I think he's going to get a ton of chances to do it. Um, I think there's a there is a world in which Kevin Cabral is put out there week in and week out um, has a little bit less pressure on him being outside of LA. Um, maybe the expectations are a little bit lower, and the talent is put together with the finishing touch. Uh, and you get a breakout season. I think that that there's a world where that can happen. Um, after what was it three years or was it two, just two in LA? Uh, I think just two, two, if I remember right. Um, after a few, well, let's say a few years, just to <laughs> just to be <laughs> just to be sure. Um, after a few years of watching him kind of fluff chance after chance and just get himself in some really good positions i'm i'm not gonna hold my breath that that's gonna be the the case uh, but there's definitely every opportunity and it's you know we've talked about Colorado being distressed asset f c um and and here's one where they took a a high priced d p player that probably wouldn't have come um sh- straight from france uh and traded a you know a modicum amount of gam for him and and brought him into a to Colorado to see if they could turn him around. Uh, so it's a good flyer. It's an interesting flyer uh, on a player that has a ton of talent still. And um, yeah, well, it, that's one of those we are talking about being intrigued. That's one of those where I'm intrigued to see how it works out and also intrigued. how Cole Bassett, you know, performs coming back. I think I uh really good 2021, really frustrating 2022 in Holland. Uh, probably not where he was hoping or expecting to be in 2023. Um, So there's one of two ways that that can go, right? Either it's frustrating, uh, demotivating, and you see a player kind of regress and and be frustrated by the experience, or you take it by the scruff and say, all right, um, I'm back in here. Let me make the best of it and get another shot going overseas. So those two uh, super intriguing situations for me.
0: Yeah, that that midfield group with Cole Bassett, uh, the new signing Connor Ronan, and Jack Price, I think that it has a lot of potential. Which I, again, I feel like we've said about almost literally every team, but yeah, it's it's the it's major league soccer. What do you what do you expect? Um, I think there's a lot to be excited about in that. Uh, I think giving Robin Frazier an opportunity to kind of put his ar- arm around Cole Bassett and really. Coach him up because I don't think that Cole was necessarily getting that exact experience in in the Netherlands from from what little I've read about it. Uh, I think that there's not many better coaches in the league who can really, really kind of help him through that. And Robin Frazier has proven that he can get guys to progress to that level. Um, The other major signing that I kind of want to touch base on there, they finally went out and got a replacement for Austin trustee. Uh, in Andres Maxo, who would be one of the better signings across the league for this season. Uh, he came over from Bromby, where he was, I think, the captain. He's gotten uh, some caps with, I think, the Swedish national team. I can't remember. Danish national team, excuse me. Um, there's just... They've been struggling with that spot sir, for the last couple of years. So getting somebody who can actually come good on that, I think will help them a ton. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he brings. So getting a little bit of that defensive solidarity that took them to the top of the West a couple of years ago will definitely help. Um, and I think, I'm trying to think if there's much else to.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that that type of signing, you know, if you're Colorado, you're, you're counting on Maxo being super solid. Uh, you know, he's, he's the right age. He's 28. He's got mm. a ton of first-team experience, European, uh, Europa League, and, and Champions League playoff experience. Uh, you put him next to Abubakar. You hope Abubakar finds the form that he had a couple of years ago. Uh, and then everything else is super mercurial from Jonathan Lewis. Kevin Cabral to Michael Barrios. There's just, there's a lot of really ups and downs with this, with that group. Um, you hope Darren Yopi, uh develops into a John Duran type of player uh, where he's, you know, burst on the scene and starts scoring goals and Diego Rubio's kills it at the 10 or at the false nine, right? That's kind of the recipe that you're looking for. Um, but that's a lot of things to put together.
0: Yeah, that, that winger group. I'm just, it's, it's a lot of question marks for me and that's uh definitely something of concern uh I, i'd like diego rubio as kind of a second striker more than i like him as a, a real number nine uh so i'm I'm interested to see what that partnership look, looks like with cabral with jonathan lewis with with that whole crew because you're right it's it's a lot of guys who get into really really good spots but don't necessarily have the final ball
1: and i think that's um, how that's how colorado sees it also right uh Rubio had a really good first half of the season uh, mm-hmm. last year and they still brought in Jossie, um, because I think they see him as that underneath uh, attacking player, not necessarily as a nine. Uh, so I think you're going to see a lot of Kevin Cabral playing up top or or you might see a Darren Yopi come in mid-season and play up top mm-hmm. and, and Rubio be more of a creator facilitator. Uh, but yeah, I, I still see that there's a lot of... Uh, High variance in this team.
0: Yep, yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. I, I I don't necessarily have Colorado making the playoffs this season, but I there is certainly a world. I just don't think it's this world.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm also on my five teams uh, that I'm predicting out there. Unfortunately, um, one of the ones nearer to the to the line than than away from it. Mm. Um, but I. I think there's like we said, there's a world where I think this could be a very good team, a la 2021. Uh, but I think it's the more likely case that we're looking at something like last year. Yeah. Let's let's uh rip the band-aid off of me.
0: Is Sporting Kansas City one of the five teams that you have missing the playoffs from the
1: last? Uh no, I have, I'm I'm higher on yes. on sporting this year. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, boy, that makes me happy. So, should we just drive right into, into Sporting? Let's hit it. Okay. Let's do it. So, I think, so here with Sporting, what you're counting on is a second year of Agata and Tommy, you know, now being settled and having a full season. Um, you're hoping for, for a lot of what you got at the, at the end of last year, right? So, they played at a near playoff level for the last couple of months. And if you get Polito and Kinda into that squad, that is a surefire playoff team. The downside is, I think we all know center back, you know, yeah. um, and Roger and Zuzi are in their mid 30s. Um, and every year becomes more dangerous in terms of productivity and availability out of those two guys. So, that's kind of where yeah, that's the bull case and the bear case um i tend to think that you're going to you're going to eventually get better luck you can't just keep getting your two best players injured for the entire season um and at some point is going to come good um so that's why i'm kind of higher on them but but there's definitely a a bottom falling out type of situation that you could see
0: yeah there this team unfortunately is up there with like Toronto FC, who I think the the biggest opponent that they're fighting any given week is Father Time, uh, and it's it's exactly in those spots you're talking about. Zeus, uh, and truth be told, even like Johnny Russell, I think he's going to be 33 this year. So there's there's definitely some age throughout this team. Uh, now, I'll talk about kind of the positives first. I am really really excited to see Alan Pulido come back. I think that he is. Legitimately one of the best strikers in Major League Soccer when he's healthy and firing. Uh, I I think back to that, I think, 2020 season uh, where both Shaowee and Russell were MVP candidates largely because of the fact that they were getting a ton of support from Polito. Polito was drawing defenders consistently. And I'm talking about somebody who might not start for this team because Willie Agata was Joseph-esque, which is... Again, a big, big claim, and I only get to make it because Doyle has also made it. So we we, we stand on the shoulders of the Giants on that one. Um, I think the biggest signing for this team is absolutely Nemanja Rudoya, who uh, is going to be coming in to the, the sixth role. This is the first time that we've had that person truly in that spot for quite a while. Uh, and this is somebody who had near 200 uh, appearances in La Liga. There's a lot to like, but I'm definitely getting the, the the shakes from from the fact that Courtney Ford went down with uh, uh, popping his Achilles and in, in a match against RSL too, which just uh, hurts for even more reasons. But you know that's that's neither here nor there. Is, is there a world I uh,
1: Matt where where Agata and Polito are playing significant minutes together? Because I could see Polito being. More of a facilitator and Agata being more of the crash-the-box finisher type.
0: I, I think the best way that you could make something like that work is really to pull Polito more deep into the midfield. Have Walter actually drop closer to Rodoya in more of a double pivot and then let Polito kind of pull the strings from effectively more of a 10-roll. Um, it's it, it's very, very interesting because there's such a logjam of talent in that that attacking group. Because we haven't even you know, mentioned Gadekinda is still injured at this point in time. But that's another designated player who, when he was fit and firing, was setting up a lot of goals. Uh, and and, and, and you gotta the find, one thing I'll say is... You've got to
1: find a spot for Eric Tommy, right? And, and At that point. Yeah. So you're playing... And, and Tommy, I
0: think, was just as good as Zikada. Right, so you're, you're, like, you're playing there with a
1: 4-2-3-1, four, four, I guess. With Rodoha mm. and Walter as, as double pivots. Or a 4-3-3 three, three with a double pivot, I guess. And up top, Agata also and Shalovi. So, if you're playing with Polito, you don't really have a space for for, for Tommy. So, you, wow. it's, it's a I mean, it's a good problem to have. And hopefully, those guys are are healthy enough that you can rotate them and get them all minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. We haven't even talked on on you know Jonas uh, or a Kyrie Shelton, yeah. who's been a, a loyal servant to the club for a while. So. Absolutely. If those guys are healthy, and we ha- and that's not including a, a Roger or a, a Felipe Hernandez, so there's definitely depth there. Where there's not depth is uh, is in the defensive line, right on the center back.
0: Yeah, I'm really hoping that Kate and Pierre can take a step forward. That's kind of the I think the lone uh, national team youngster uh, that could come out of this group um, and somebody is going to need to start soaking up minutes for Zussi eventually. Like, Zussi has been Diego Chara-esque in, in just the fact that he has not aged for a little bit. But we're starting to see some injuries. We're starting to see just the, the little cracks in the armor there. Uh, and I'm really just hoping that Caden Gear can take that step forward. Um, what, do you, what do you think the ceiling is
1: for this team? I, I think it's a home team, a home game type team. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago we were talking about uh, sporting being a Western Conference regular season champion, potentially, uh, before the last couple games of 2021. Uh, you could see if you get a Tamilia back to his form from a, from a couple years ago and some luck with, in, with injuries, uh, you could see this team being a top four. Uh, but I could also see a situation kind of with like, you know, 2019, where you have a few injuries, you're not very good defensively, um, and it all kind of falls apart, kind of like what happened beginning of last season. So mm-hmm. a, another very high variance team. I think um, you could see a, a home a home game, or excuse me, not a home game anymore, uh, uh, a home <laughs> hosting series uh, performance in the regular season, or or you know all the way out, kind of like last year. Yeah, it's de- it definitely gives
0: me. A lot. Yeah, it caused me toss and it at night for sure, but definitely excited to see the boys back on the pitch. I have them in the playoffs. Uh, we'll just see exactly where that looks to be. Um, I think that we we now probably go ahead and run it down to Texas. We can talk about a team that I feel like Sporting always had to play in the playoffs, uh, but has not been in there for a minute now. Houston Dynamo. This team is at a really interesting place. I think they're starting to actually make some of the changes necessary to really take a step forward. Uh, They're finally... uh, I think I was talking to... uh, Or I was listening to Allocation Disorder, and SimStation mentioned that they're making a ton of back-office changes, and now we're starting to see some of those changes come through on the playing side as well. This team is improved, but I think it's still a year away. What do you, what do you see what 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 moves excited you number one for, for Houston and then what are you seeing as far as their best case scenario?
1: Yeah, this one's this one's tough for me. So it's one of those teams that I think is like I think you I think you said it right. I think they're starting on a path that's going to take them a little while. Um you know, Pat onset now into year two, Ben Olsen in. Um, you know, one of those things where the The last couple of years in d c didn't go very well, and you're you're hoping that what you get is a renewed Ben Olsen taking lessons from from the first decade uh and and transferring that over to a, a new situation and, and being much better um but there's there's doubt there right because we've seen it already um from him uh previously, so you have to kind of wonder all right what how ambitious is that signing and, and is that going to take them forward? And I think you were pretty, pretty down on that uh, initially. Um, mm-hmm. And the moves, I mean, I like, I like Coco Karskiya. Our tour is a very, very good player. If, if he's healthy uh, in MLS, the, the backs Franco Escobar and Brad Smith are, are good players. Um, but I think this is a team still lacking uh, some Winger talent still lacking some eight. You have to see what you get out of Ace Ace this year. Uh, Sebastián is pretty good, but not Sebastian Juicy type level. So there's still there's still some more work to be done on this roster. And I think if you would if you would put Truth Theorem to Houston front office and the fan base, they'd tell you that they're not quite ready yet for for this season uh, to compete.
0: Yeah. I think yeah they're they're also just going to be uh, kind of knocking around with the other two Texas teams and I think unfortunately this is still the the, the bottom of that group for me I think we kind of discussed that a little bit yesterday as well um, the I'll say the 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 moves that have really excited me um, are the Ivan Franco uh, deal coming in to rejoin Sebastian Ferreira. Uh, I I like that as a move I still I'm with you that. They do just need a little bit more talent. You have Corey Baird on the other side, who I think is also going to start. Um, it's just it's not quite there there. But Ivan Franco is one of those signings who I think really could elevate this team. I don't know too much about uh, the ten that they brought in from France, I mean, Amine uh, but everything that I've seen has been pretty high on him. I I <laughs> my big question is how much is Hector Herrera going to play because he did not make the team better. Oh. Last season when he came nope. in, which is tough, especially on the number that I'm sure that he's on. And then he is going to be such a big part for Houston to be able to tap into their home market, into that fan base, because there's obviously a lot of Mexican-Americans in the Houston area. So I'm I'm hoping that Ben Olsen is able to find a way to integrate him a little bit more in a positive way. Uh I think it's, that uh, I've said my piece on Ben. Also, yeah, it's
1: thin all the way around. Like you know, if you look at the just the general depth chart. It's thin at center back. It's it's thin in central midfield, and it's th- it's thin on the wing. So there's not really an yeah. area where I say, all right, that's that's settled. You know, Artur, Coco Karaskia, and Ace Ace playing well. that's that could be a very very good MLS midfield. Uh, but there's questions there, and, and, you know, everybody else is new or, or unproven. So yeah. I think so. Yeah. still a ways to go on this roster.
0: Yeah. I think so. That gives us the <laughs> – out of the new coaches, this is the one that gives me the most hope. I think that we can kind of throw it to the team that the new coach gives me the most. San Jose is doing something. And I'm actually excited to see them play beyond just wanting to see a car crash. I'm, I really like some of the moves that they've done specifically bringing in Lucha Gonzalez. What's your overall opinion on San Jose at the moment?
1: And then what do you, what do you think you could see from them this season? It's one of those, I think San Jose is a team that you, you watch kind of as a neutral, at least you watch with hope. It's, it, it's coming together, uh, and they kind of tend to let you down over and over again. Mm. But if we if we look at, they played pretty much at a playoff level once Covello was uh, you know coaching after they let go of uh, of Almeida. Um, so they were right on the on the cusp of that kind of playoff level, and you have at least in that front three. Where you have a Bobacy, and you would expect Espinosa and Cowell on, on either end uh, with Montero right behind them. Um, you have the makings of a very good attack. Uh, you, you've brought back in Carlos Greso into the league uh, he, and Jackson Yule, That should make for a good midfield. Uh, a couple questions about center back. Now that Nathan's hurt mm. and you bring in Mensa, I think you still need another one there. But there's the makings of a of a roster that is competitive at the very least, um, and in the playoffs, you know, as a maybe base case or or near bull case. So I'm super intrigued. Lucci should bring in some solidity, a system that you know we all kind of know from the from the men's national team, uh, and, and. Definitely not the helter-sculter type play that we saw with Almeida for the last three years.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And I think the other thing that Lucci brings in is a really, really good integration between a, a first team and an academy setup. And everybody has kind of waxed poetically about the fact that San Jose is a sleeping giant as far as youth soccer talent and I think you're going to really see some players take massive steps forward. The I am really, really high on Socrates. Um I think I was watching him in the, what, oh gosh, Joey and I watched the U17 World Cup, uh, and I really, really thought that there was, he was one or two steps away from being a, a first-team Major League Soccer player, and I'm really hoping that he can kind of break through that uh, that first year, breaking that first team either in that Ewell role or Montero role because I think he's pretty ball secure and can find a really, really interesting pass. So I'm I'm really, really high on this team. I don't think that it's playoffs yet, but it's really getting there close. And a couple of the signings just kind of mentioned them. Uh, they did bring in Carlos Gruezo to really solidify that six. That Judson has gone through a lot of injury issues, so Having a, I, I believe a designated player at the six will probably, again, if he can stay healthy, really solidify that team. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I think Mensa to come in and be that Matt Hedges for for Lucci. If we're going from a from a Dallas setup, there's there's just a lot more to like about this team. It looks like an actual team instead of just a lot of weird pieces being thrown together. Uh, and I think that. For the first time in a long time, San Jose might just have a plan, and that's, that's really exciting.
1: Yeah, and if they can shore up the um, back line a little bit, um, I think this is a playoff team. Uh, if, they, if, they, if they can just get uh, a little bit better defensively because they still shipped a ton of goals last year, um, then, then yeah, I think their, their ceiling is pretty, pretty high. They, the pieces fit together much better than they have previously.
0: Absolutely, and the underlying numbers are that Christian Espinosa is an absolute star so I, I think that there's just a lot to like about this team and it's it's a year away like I think this could be the setup for for um, San Jose to come through in a big way um I believe that brings us to just the newcomers to kind of touch base on uh St Louis. The the jerseys are nice, and that's pretty much the extent of what I can say about them confidently. Uh, they've got some interesting pieces for sure. I really like them having picked up Giacchini in the expansion draft. Uh, they have some pretty solid. Yeah, they have some pretty okay top line talent, but they've been going through this idea of a, a designated team instead of designated player setup and i think that they're going to find that that just almost exclusively puts them at a talent deficit uh which makes some sense for for um Bradley Carnell having come from Red Bull Academy or from Red Bull but i think that they're going to be an expansion side and i think that they're going to struggle what what are you seeing what do you think
1: yeah i'm with you uh, i i got i don't have a ton more to add there um a couple of, you know, pieces that we know that are are solid MLS type players, uh, Tim Parker and and John Bell, and you know guys guys like that guys of that ilk uh, that you know they, they they're serviceable. Jake Nerwitzki, uh you know guys that have played in mm-hmm. in MLS and have performed uh, to to a decent level, but you're you're waiting on where that creativity is going to come from. Where the goals are going to come from and where the depth is going to come from. There's, there's still a lot of work uh, to be done. I think um, they're more along the Nashville type of plan, but Nashville was so good defensively and in the midfield that first year Mm -hmm. that they could overcome uh, a little bit of the lack of creativity initially. And then once Hani came in and uh, came good, then they then they took off. But I, I see this as a poor man's Nashville roster build, uh, and I think they're probably going to struggle quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I I think that I'm pretty much there with you. I, I I'm really going to not be super excited to see the the Red Bull system in the Western Conference, just because I don't find it super attractive soccer. Uh, but I'm hoping that that's going to touch or it's going to tap into something in that St. Louis soccer history, which is really exciting. Um, so we will, it's, this is the m- absolute most wait and see type of team in major league soccer this year for me. Um, and there's a ton of names that we're just not, to,
1: we just don't know very well, right? Uh, a lot of their yeah. international guys, Joe um, Klaus, and, and guys like that, that we don't, we don't know very well. We don't know what they're, how they translate to the league um even joe kini we know him a little bit more from from the ma- from the national team and from orlando but he hasn't t- played a ton uh in, in mls so uh yeah just if you had to ask me what team has the most question marks this is probably the one which is reasonable sense. like truthfully yeah uh
0: do you think that anybody challenges them really for for that bottom of the west spot
1: for the bottom of the West spot. Uh, unfortunately, I, I say No, Reynoso
0: less.
1: A Re, uh, Reynoso less Minnesota. Mm. Um, I think Houston, I think, is still, still a ways away. So that, that's probably my pick for bottom three.
0: All right. Well, I think that this kind of wraps up the, the Western Conference, gets us really, really well and suited for the season. Um, mm. Are there any anything else you want to touch base on today before we go ahead and call it a day?
1: Yeah, so I've I've been critical of this of the MLS rights deal, um, but I have been looking through some of the Apple TV stuff here recently, and and so far you know so far so good, uh, really good quality, a bunch of additional content, uh, you know some behind the scenes stuff on players' lives, on the clubs, uh, you know guys that are knowledgeable about about the league I uh, saw some season previews where where Doyle's on there a couple season previews where Taylor Twelman's on there um, so overall so you know user interface thumbs up uh, content thumbs up um, and I think it's necessary because you know you're gonna get you, you need to have a lot more quality content to make up for I think what's going to be lack of visibility uh, at least early on while while you lose those, uh, national TV games and those regional broadcasts. So, to make up for that lack of visibility, that content's going to be really important, and so far, I think they're doing a good job. So, just early early re- uh, reviews on what I'm seeing so far. Uh, we'll see how it plays out.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I've really enjoyed some of the player profiles, specifically. Those have been very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I'll give shouts out, Minnesota's team did a really, really nice little breakdown for Michael Boxall that I thought was really, really well done. Uh, There's just a a lot of very, very solid um, (laughs) MLS content when you're just looking for just about anything, uh, which is (laughs) really, really nice to have. I'm I'm excited about some of those offerings. Um, And uh, everything that I've seen from the MLS studio that is being built in New York is really, really exciting. I think that the wraparound show, the the review stuff go, coming out of that spot is going to be, it's going to look more professional than anything Major League Soccer has put out in probably its existence, and that's really exciting. To and me. There was
1: a there was a Twitter show that they do at the end of the weekends um, from the old studio, maybe four or five years back, um, eighteen. Maybe even 19 uh, that I thought just really did a good job to wrap up everything we saw and you know put a summary of where the where the standings were at, kind of what to look forward to, um, and I think this is going to be that, but just much more professional, much more high end. Uh, so it should should pretty be pretty at least very nice looking with all the bells and whistles at, at the very least. So looking forward to all, to seeing how how that kind of unfolds.
0: Very, very exciting stuff. Let's talk about one last thing that we're, we're excited for. Andres, what's what's the, the game to watch this weekend for you?
1: So at the risk of, of sounding cliche, you know, opening weekend, you got to go with LA, LA, uh, El Trafico, defending cup champions. In the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, a replay of, of the playoff matchup, uh, a Galaxy team that I think we're all interesting. Uh, interested to see how it plays out with with Ricky Pooge in there um and an LAFC team with a little bit more question marks than we're used to at least entering the season so that's you know that's got to be the top the top matchup not a maybe not going out on a limb there but it's hard to go away from that I I believe
0: that this is set to become the highest attended major league soccer match ever Uh, I believe Rose Bowl is bordering on sold out uh It's going to be a big, big celebration, and that's I. it's going to be the absolute spectacle. Uh, Cannot wait to watch that one. For me, I'm going to go ahead and take it east. I am actually looking towards uh, Philadelphia and Columbus. Uh, I think Philadelphia could be just about the best team in Major League Soccer this season. I think Columbus could be one of the most improved teams in Major League Soccer this season, and I'm really interested to see what both those teams come out with. Uh, I think Philadelphia is just about fully healthy. Uh, I'm really excited to see Ali Badoya Bado- back on the field and at 100%. Keep my fingers crossed that that stays for the entire season. And then Columbus, I am really, really excited to see what Wil- Wilford Nancy is going to do with this team. So that's that's my pick. Um, yeah, I think that's all I've got. Anything else from you, Angus?
1: Hey it's, uh, it's just about that time to get it started. So enjoy, enjoy opening week. And um, we'll be back next week to, to discuss everything that happened in week one and start looking forward to, to the second match week.
0: Absolutely. Cannot wait to be back in Major League Soccer and uh, kick everything off. So until next time, enjoy life. Enjoy the beautiful game. We'll see you then.